Last week, I kind of I kind of got off on a tangent a little bit and talking about worship and flow. And we're going to take a little bit of a turn this more this after this tonight. What is what? Where are we and where where am I tonight this evening? <laughs> we're going to stay on worship, but I do want you. I, I was trying to get a, my point across last week that when we start worshiping, that we have a it is a journey into the presence of God. It's not just to come together and to sing three songs or four songs or two fast ones and two slow ones or do a fast one, then a hymn, then two slow songs. You know, it's there is a process that we are, that Pastor Zach prays over, that I pray over. I don't pray over Pastor Zach's lists. I normally don't even see him. I try my best to keep my hands off as much as I can. Um, but we are, part of his job is to help to bring this congregation into the presence of God. And that might be foreign to a lot of people that go to church. But the type of worship and us being a spirit-filled church, we have a, we have a, a process. We, uh, process sounds religious, but, it is, but God, is a, God is a God of order, and he has a way that he wants us to come in. And we, ha, we, can, we can come into the presence of God. And is that foreign to everybody, or are we, are we all on the same page here? We, we have a desire. I have a desire as your pastor to see our church, whole church body come into the presence of God. Are we together? It's not just to come in here and have a service and go home. It's to come in here and to be impacted by the uh, manifest presence of God. Back in the days of Moses, back in the days of, of the Old Testament, God would move with a cloud of, a cloud of glory. He'd come in power, so powerful that the, that the uh, priests couldn't minister. How long has it been since that's happened? Have you ever seen a cloud come down in church? Why not? I want to see something happen. I want to see God move. And most of the time, uh, the experience that I've had, the most of the power seems to come in worship. I've seen people healed in worship. Before they could get up here to be prayed for, they get healed in worship. Very powerful. It's because God inhabits the praises of his people. He comes when we start praising him. You know, music is so powerful, and this isn't where I'm going tonight, but music is unifying either in the positive or in the negative. Why do you think at almost any church you go into, the first thing they do is sing? What does it do? It gets everybody together. All of a sudden, we're doing something together. We may be the most diverse group ever. This side of the church may hate that side of the church. But when we start singing, we become one voice. This side does not hate that side. That side hates. No, I'm kidding. But we could be diverse. We could be uh, divided even. But the same thing happens in the negative or in, on the dark side. We talked about music of light, music of dark. But why do you think they have music in bars? It brings everybody together. And there is power. What you would see in the Old Testament, them building the tower, trying to make it to God without God. And because they were so unified, and they were unified negatively, that God had to divide them up. You are not going to do this. And we can see how powerful music is. So I'm going to kind of end end there when it comes to the flow and and I, I got off on spiritual discernment and felt like I just uh, 
went down a went down a path I might not should have gone. Started talking about secular music and how something had impacted me. And uh, you know, I just want you to know, music is so um, powerful. It's so it's so uh, it, it will steer you in a way. A certain song will come on and it'll make you want to do something. Have you ever noticed that? Some music makes you drive fast. It's the truth. Some music puts you to sleep. You know, there was Christian music being played one time in the youth, and it was the screamo. You know, I don't know if you, I probably don't even follow that kind of music. But I'm sitting there, and it's Christian music. And all of a sudden, things start going through my head, all the people that I've ever hated in my life. And I'm just sitting there. Man, I can't stand that person. I don't like this person. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what is happening to me? And I was getting influenced by music. And it was Christian music. But it will show you how powerful music is. Are you, am, I, am I all all alone here or are you impacted by music? Some music makes you want to shout, makes you want to get excited. Other music makes you want to do drugs. I'm not kidding. There is, there is a powerful force in music. And when we come together with one voice, what we don't see, what, what I want you to see tonight is when this church comes together and from their heart in unity starts singing holy, holy, holy and meaning it, look out. Look out. That's why I was saying when it got quiet, please look into your heart. I want, I want this word that comes out of your mouth, I want you to mean it. I want you to mean there's no really other word that we can say. I don't know what else I can say that would be greater than holy. And do we realize what we're saying about our king? And do we realize we're saying it to him? And all around the throne it's being said to him. Why? Because he loves it. And because he is. He is holy. And he likes being surrounded by it. Don't you think he likes it when a, when a church... Start singing holy. All of a sudden, earth is is coming up to the level of heaven. That's good. It's where my heart is. You know, it's all I can do to sit back there and be contained by a piece of music. Because my heart wants to explode. The music doesn't say enough. My heart needs to be released. When you start singing in extravagant worship, it's not enough. You're just getting started. When you start hearing spontaneous music, they didn't plan that. Listen to it. And then you start singing your spontaneous song. That's what God's wanting to hear. He's just wanting us to get started. Get the record playing and then get off of it. Now you worship me like you're wanting to worship. Like I'm implanting into you to worship me. It's more than the song. Will you give me your heart? That's what tonight is all about. The heart of a worshiper is surrender. Everybody say surrender. Where's my remote? Here it is. Surrender. A worshiping heart. A worshiping heart. There is so much more to worship than just coming in here and singing a song. In fact, it can become religious. Romans 6.13. 
It says, give yourselves to God. Surrender your whole being to him to be used for righteous purposes. Surrender. I've said this in the last few weeks. Surrender is such an unpopular word. The world has made the things of God perverted. Satan has made the word obey perverted. He's made the word surrender perverted. He's made the word submit perverted. Perverted just means he's made it into what it was not intended to be. It's made it into something corrupted. And we want to hear these words and reject. Surrender implies losing. And nobody wants to be a loser. Surrender suggests the unpleasant image of admitting defeat. In battle, forfeiting a game or yielding to a stronger opponent. And we have allowed this word to become a negative context. In our competitive world, we're taught to never quit. Something I've been taught. Don't you ever quit. Never give up. Never give in. So we don't want to hear much about surrender. If winning is everything, then surrendering is unthinkable. Even Christians would rather talk about winning and victory, succeeding, overcoming, conquering than to talk about yielding, submitting, obeying, and surrendering. But surrendering to God is the heart of worship. Coming in here, and when you can genuinely say, God, you are holy, you are surrendering yourself. You are allowing yourself to humble, you are humbling yourself. If you just sing the song, you're not doing anything. Can I say that without offending you? You can go through the motions and your heart never change. God says you can do that. He says, I hear their lips. I see their mouths moving. But not their heart. So you can come in here and you can go through the motions and nothing happen. Or what happens is when you genuinely start to worship, which means you align yourself. You get yourself off the top spot and let God have the top spot. And you start telling him he has the top spot. And you start believing he has the top spot. And you start proclaiming it over your life. You are God over my life. I have, I have allowed myself to get where I'm not supposed to be. What's good about church is if you will allow worship to work in you, you get yourself realigned. Now you can just sit here and sing the song and nothing happens. So many people come in here to worship and think, what is that person getting all kooky about? They're getting themselves aligned and they're getting touched. They're not playing a game. They're getting touched by God. Why? Because they've gotten themselves off that top seat and got themselves where they're supposed to be. And something's happening to them. They're not throwing a fit. God's touching them. Somebody shouts. What are they shouting about? I'm singing the same song. I'm not. What? 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 Did I miss something? Yeah. Yeah. Don't miss it in worship. Every single time we come together, and I don't care what song is saying, you get your heart right with God, you are going to encounter him every single time. You can't keep from it. You can't keep him from you when you go to him. That is good. Thank you. It's what I need, Christy. It's what I need. That helps me. Can I get a witness in here? 
Yeah. <laughs> Come on, somebody get somebody get excited for God. True worship is bringing God pleasure. And it happens when you give yourself completely to God. When you give yourself completely to God. Let's look at uh Let's look at Romans 12. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. What is the worship you should offer? Offering yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and to pleasing him. True worship is bringing pleasure to God. And it happens when we give our heart to God. But notice the first and the last word of this scripture. Offer. Offer. We have, we have to offer ourselves. We have to bring an offering. Offering yourself to God is what worship is all, is all about. This act of personal surrender is called many things. Maybe it's consecration or making Jesus Lord or taking up your cross or dying to yourself or yielding to the spirit. What matters is that you do it. Not what you call it. God wants all your life and 95% is not enough. There are three barriers that block our total surrender to God. Number one, our ignorance of God or not knowing what he's really like, our sinful nature. Do you know that the, uh, the parable of the um, talents, the problem with the last guy that got it taken away from him was his ignorance of God. He says, I know you to be a hard man to, to reap where you don't sow. So I thought I'd better at least just bury it in the ground so you'd get it back. And the master says, you don't know me. If you'd have known me, you'd have known to put it at least in the bank and to draw an interest. You don't know me. That's the key. I think that's the key to that scripture. You don't know me. And that's the problem that we have with surrender. The thing is, when you start to know God, it becomes easier to surrender. If you don't know God... It's impossible. Why would you do it? Our whole life we spend trying not to surrender to each other. But once you know God, it becomes easy to surrender. Number two, the desire to be God ourselves. And then finally, our misunderstanding, not of God, that's number one, but our misunderstanding of surrender. A big question that I believe every Christian faces and probably even faces even when they when they, when they genuinely start walking with God is, can I trust God? That's a problem that we have as Americans. It's a problem we have as humans. Can we trust? Who can we trust? Trust is an essential ingredient to surrender. You won't surrender to God unless you trust him. And you can't trust him until you know him. You can't fully trust me until you get to know me. And you put me into positions 
that I have to fulfill your trust. If we never encounter each other, you'll never trust me because you don't know me. One way I get to know you is to find out, can I trust you? Fear keeps us from surrendering, but love casts out all fear. Can you see that getting to know God removes fear? Are you battling the spirit of fear? Pursue God. Fear will flee. Love casts out all fear. The more you realize how much God loves you, the easier it is to surrender to him. How do I know God loves me? He gives us many, many evidences. And I'm not going to show you these scriptures. I'm just going to read them to you. God says that he loves you in Psalm 145.9. He says that you're never out of his sight in Psalm 139.3. He says he cares about every detail of your life, Matthew 10.30. He gave you the capacity to enjoy all kinds of pleasures. That's 1 Timothy 6.17. He has good plans for your life. What scripture is that? Jeremiah 29, 11. That's one you need to know. For I know the plans I have for you, that they are good. Do you know God has a plan for you? He does. Jeremiah 29, 11. He forgives you. Psalm 86, 5. He's patient with you. Psalm 145, 8. He sacrificed his son for you. Romans 5, 8. God loves you so much more than you can imagine. Romans 5, 8. It says, God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Stephen, when I made that comment that God doesn't love us until we love him, I, I, you caught me out in the door probably a year ago or so. I said, did I say that? That's not what I meant. God loved us when I didn't even love him, when I didn't even know him, when I was as nasty as I could ever be. I love that. I'm sorry I put you on the spot, but that, that was a key moment for me and you. I, in, in my life with me and you, it was he questioned me and I was wrong. The thing I like is that he listened. And he wasn't afraid to say, wait a minute. Instead of, the pastor said this, I'm leaving. Wait a minute, pastor, did you say that? Oh my goodness, did I say that? That's not what I, that's not what I meant. Is that how it sounded? Let me go back and listen to it. No, God loved me. God loved me before I was born. He knew me long before the universe was created. And he loved me then. And he loves me now. Even even as a sinner, if you've come in here and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know something. God loves you. He created you and he's ready for you. God loved me. So if you want to know how much you matter to God, Look at Christ with his arms stretched out on the cross. And Jesus says, I love you this much. He loves you this much. He loves you so much. He said, I'd rather die than lose you. I'd rather die than have to live without you. God's not a cruel slave driver or a bully who uses brute force to coerce us into submission. He doesn't try to break our will, but he woos us to himself. I would encourage you to try to be, this is a funny word, and I don't even know that I can explain it, but be wooed in worship. 
I've always, I've said in the last four years, I'm not a real weepy person, but I've become a weepy person in worship. I believe because God wants to break, break you down. That's, that sounds rough. He wants to, he wants to touch you um, emotionally and your whole, your, he, he wants to fully touch you like nothing else can. These things in the world can, can touch a little part of you, can catch your mind, can catch your heart, can, can, can even addict you in, in ways, but God can touch you like nothing else can touch you. And sometimes we respond with laughter or with crying or with getting down on our knees or with shouting or running or screaming. Or I've, I've, I wouldn't say I've seen it all, but I've seen a lot. I've seen weird stuff and I've seen funny stuff. and I've seen things that weren't God and I've seen things that were God. But God wants to bring you into his presence and let him have his work in you. Let him woo you. I'm not going to define that. I don't know that there is a definition for woo. I think that's something that in the last 15 years that the charismatics have created. I, I don't know. Is that a word? Woo? It is? I'm going to have to look that up. All right, where was I? I need to wrap it up. God is a lover not a lib- and a liberator. And Jesus and surrendering brings freedom, not bondage. When we completely surrender ourselves to Jesus, we discover that he's not a tyrant, but he's a savior. He's not a boss. He's a brother. He's not a dictator. He's a friend. And he has my best interest at heart. He wants me and he wants you to be successful He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have everything. And I mean uh, financially. I mean spiritually. I mean emotionally. I mean physically. He wants you to have everything. He does exceedingly abundantly more than we could think or ask. What are you capable of thinking of? His plans for you are exceedingly abundantly more than you could think or ask. The problem is we won't fully surrender. I'm going to stop there.